first, before we jump in, we have all, if you haven't experienced this now, you haven't been here for this season. For those of you that are new, we're in a season in the book of Romans, and it is called Wrecked because the book of Romans wrecks you. It just does. I don't know how you can get through this book without just having your heart, your spirit, your theology, your tradition, your liturgy, all just upended by the grace, mercy, justification, and goodness and spirit of Jesus. Like, I just don't know how we can get through it. If you're you're questioning that, go back. We've done two weeks. And after two weeks, it's been like, wow. This has been intense. It's been really good. But I I love the book of Romans. Romans wrecks you. Here is where Paul is headed. He's headed into justification. He's presented the gospel clearly, and now he's presenting justification. And, And here's what we have to do as we step into justification. We have to understand this. We cannot police behavior before beliefs. In other words, if you are trying to sanctify someone before they've been justified, you're frustrating them. If you don't believe the same thing, then you ain't going to get them to behave the same way, right? Justification is a moment. It is a moment when you are justified by faith through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. You are justified. It is just if I'd died when Christ died, right? You're justified by faith. It's a moment. Sanctification is a lifelong process. Okay? So we, we, I, I'm always cautious with people who want to run around and police everyone's behavior before they have the right beliefs. That's exactly what the Jews did. It's exactly what the Jews are doing to the Gentiles, and Paul is confronting it. He's saying, my goodness, you got this list, you got these rules, you got all this stuff. Would you just let them find out about justification first? Would you just let them discover about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection first? Like you want them to act this way and do this way and say these things. That's great. That will come. We can work with that. But my goodness, let's get the beliefs right first, right? So we put belief before behavior. Now. This is where it becomes challenging with the book of Romans because the book of Romans is one sermon broken up into chapters and verses of 16 different books, right? But if I major on justification today, it may come across, unfortunately, it may come across like once I've been justified, I have a license to do whatever I want. So let me just give you fair warning. Romans chapter 6, first four verses, Paul asks the question, is grace a license to do whatever you want? Absolutely not. He says, absolutely not. He says, you are foolish. If you, think. you know what foolish means in the Greek? fool. (laughs) He's saying you're an idiot if you believe that you can just have grace to do whatever you want. So that's not where we're going, but but Paul begins to correct behavior by the Spirit of God, chapters 5 through 8. And this, in chapter 4, he's like, let's just get the belief right. Let's get the belief right, then we'll get the behavior right, and then we'll be able to walk this out. Okay, Romans 3, 25 through 31, the first place that we're at. It says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Verse 26, he did it 
to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Now, this is the good stuff. Verse 27. Where then is their boasting? Who can brag about it? It is excluded because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith. That is a powerful, powerful statement. Verse 31, do we then nullify the law by this faith? In other words, is the law gone now? Is the law finished? Is it over with because of this faith? And what does Paul say? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. On March 3rd, 1863, the United States enacted the Enrollment Act. It was the second year of the Civil War and the death rate was rising and enlistees were dropping. So they instituted the Enrollment Act, which meant every male 20 to 45 years of age or any immigrant seeking U.S. citizenship had to register to be available to fight in the war. Here's what that meant. When names were selected for the lottery, men had three options. Here were your three options. Number one, you could fight. Number two, you had to find someone to take your place. Or number three, pay the $300 commutation fee. That was about $12,000 today. Out of 750,000 people that were drafted between 1863 and 1864, only 46,000 of them went to war. The other 85% did one of two things. They paid the fee, they found somebody to take their place. One particular instance, a man had bribed another man to take his place, which was legal, by the way. So he bribed him to take his place. And so the man takes his place and goes under his name through his draft lottery ticket. He enters into the war and he gets killed at war. Well, this same thing continued to happen over and over. And as it did, they did a second draft, a second lottery. And this man's name was called again in the second lottery. And so this man hired an attorney and he went before and he, he, he petitioned it saying, uh, I, this, this second draft is invalid because I have already died at war. There was someone who went in my place under my name and died for me. And guess what? He won. Because someone actually did under his name when he signed on the line to receive the name for the draft lottery, he took his name into war. When we talk about justification, we are saying this so clearly that Jesus died in our place. It's just as if I'd died, justified just as if I had died. When Jesus went to the cross, it was like I went to the cross. When he paid my price, it was like I paid my price. The only difference is Jesus did it once and for all so that all can come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. That is justification. 
That's as clear as justification can be. And when we start adding to justification, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. I'll show you. Paul walks us through it. We just read this, but I'll read it again. Romans 3.25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. If you circle that word atonement in your Bible, it's the Greek word hilasterion. It literally is the, it's the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew Leviticus 16, 5 through 6, talking about the atonement offering. Here's all you need to know about the atonement offering. It was everything that you needed. So if there was a distance between you and God, if there was a, a, if you had committed sin, if you had walked away from the Lord, if you were doing something in secret and you just, you felt and sensed this difference, you would take an animal, you would present it to the Levitical priest, they would kill the animal, shed the blood, drizzle the blood onto a cloth that was placed on the Ark of the Covenant, and that cloth represented your blood shed, and they would receive that cloth, and all of a sudden your slate would be wiped completely clean. What Paul is doing here through Jewish language, speaking to a Jewish audience, is he was saying what you thought you had to do to get right with God has already been done for you. You are in here today thinking there is this list of things that you have to do so that you can be right with God. No, there's one thing that you have to do, and that is place your faith in Jesus Christ. You will be justified before the Lord. You are made right before the Lord. And then I, I love this, so he continues on in the verse, if we drop down a little bit, same verse, guys, verse 25. He says, uh, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So it's really interesting because the sins beforehand, before the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, they went unpunished, but they weren't atoned for. In other words, what he's saying is, yes, they sinned, and they weren't punished for those sins, but those sins weren't atoned for. They weren't handled. Canaan, the other day, uh, yesterday, actually, matter of fact, I said, hey, son, it's Saturday, clean your room. He said, dad, my room's such a mess. I'm like, right, why do you think I want you to clean it, right? He said, it'll take me forever, I don't want to do it. That's fine, okay, great, I, I know how this game goes. Brother, I got years on you. I've been playing this game before you, right? He said, all right, that's fine. So he comes to me about an hour later. Dad, can I play with Lucas? I said, sure, yeah, after you clean your room. Oh, Dad, it's not fair. It's never fair, right? Oh, we're in that place. Man, God is a God of justice. Like, this kid is fair about everything. Since he got a cookie, I get a cookie. Zadok has a popsicle, I get a popsicle. Like, he's like, Dad, it's not fair. My room stood, look, it's up to you, not to me. Okay, fine, I'm not going to clean my room. I'm not going to play with Lucas. Okay, hour later. Dad, can I, can, I play, can I play my Nintendo Switch? Sure. Yeah, you totally can. When you clean your room. Dad, why can I, Dad, you're so, un Dad's, Dad's so mean, right? You're so mean, Dad. It's the worst day ever. Stomp, 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 right? So then Anna is doing laundry, and she has his laundry done. She goes up to his room to put his laundry. I mean, she's such a good mom, way too good of a mom, right? I'm like, look that up and put that away yourself. And so she goes up to his room. She puts away his laundry, and when she sees his room is a mess, she puts his toys back in the bin, his Legos back in the closet. She closes all of his drawers and makes his bed like a sweet mom would. And so then he comes up to me about five minutes later, and he says, Hey, Dad, uh, I'm going to go play with Lucas. 
I said, great, did you clean your room? He said, no, mom did. I said, what? He said, yeah, mom did. I said, no, you ain't, you ain't going nowhere. He said, I already talked to mom. She said, I go clean my room. I said, I'm good. She said, I go play with, with Lucas, right? And I'm like, what? And I was like, no, no, And he was like, you told me if my room was clean, I could play with Lucas. And I'm like, bro, you, you, he's getting good at the games too, right? He's figuring the games out as well. But, but what happened? Mom atoned for him so that he could go do what he desired to do. Listen, atonement is God doing for you what you could never do for yourself. Now, my son can't clean his room. But atonement is God doing for you what you could not do, what you couldn't pay the price for, what you feel like you still owe unto him. So Paul comes right out of the gate, he introduces atonement. After he introduces atonement, which then he rolls into justification, he tells us clearly, there are three things you cannot do when justified. There are three things, if you are justified by Christ in here today, if you are made right with him, credited righteousness by him because of faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, there are three things that you cannot do. Are you ready for them? Number one, you cannot brag about it. You cannot boast about it. Paul makes clear, Romans 3.27, where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. In other words, saying you cannot run around bragging about anything that you did for yourself. Jesus made you right. Jesus made you right. He's saying you can't brag about it. You can't tell everybody about it. I mean, there's something about people who brag anyway, right? I don't know if anything drives me more crazy than that. I'll tell you a fun story uh, off topic, but, you know, Bragger gets his mouthpiece knocked out. This is great. Um, I, I was in high school, and this, this kid showed up to our school. He's from Alabama, and he was, he was going out for the football team, and he was telling us he's this all-galaxy, all-universe, greatest wide receiver in the state of Alabama. He's a sophomore. Nick Saban loved him, but he was too young. You know, like, it's like all of the most ridiculous stuff in the world. So then he gets out on the field, and I kid you not, like, coach puts him in, and we're doing the Oklahoma drill. He's laying on his back. Another guy's laying on his back. Lyman, coach walks over, drops the ball. They both pop up. Donnie Abel, who was a junior, and he was ruthless. He's a state champion, 170-pound wrestler, just an absolute animal. He hit Brandon so hard. Brandon stands straight up, running straight up, you know, chin in the air. He hit him so hard under his mouth, he split his entire chin open, knocked both his earpieces out, helmet went flying, Brandon was Lance, the last time we ever saw Brandon at football practice, right? And we were sitting there thinking, man, wasn't this the all-galaxy, all-universe, all-world, you know, football player? Like, what, what happened? There's nothing to boast about. You know the ones you got you to be really careful about? The ones that say nothing. The ones that aren't bragging about anything. Those are the ones you worry about. The next year, we had two brothers show up, Corey and Kyle Barrett. They were like, yeah, I think we're going to go out for the football team. I'm like, oh, really? They're like, yeah, yeah, I think so. Why not? We'll give it a shot, right? Both all-state, wide receiver and running back, transformed our football team, the best we'd ever seen. But they had nothing to brag about because they knew what they had. You have nothing to brag about when you know what you have. You will not go running around talking about yourself when you understand justification. Jesus made you right. Not you. Not anything that you did. What does he roll into? Number two. So number one, if we're justified, we can't brag about it. 
Number two, if we're justified, we can't work for it. There's no work that you can do for it. Romans 3.28, for we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from, separated from, the works of the law. The works of the law were the most spiritual practices of the day. Equivalent to day two, he would be saying, um, your salvation is separate from your Bible reading plan. Your salvation is separate from the amount of scripture that you have memorized. Your salvation plan, your salvation is separate from the amount of worship songs that you know, how great of a singer you are, how talented you are, how many hours that you volunteer, how much money you give. He's saying your salvation is separate from it. It is based solely on Christ crucified who justified us. There was a poll done of evangelical Christians. And now, hear yourself in these answers, right? This is a really good poll. And the poll asked this question, assuming for the, mom for the moment there really is a heaven, what are the requirements for entry and why would you get in? These are the top three answers. The, the point of this poll was to reveal we're missing it on justification. Number one, answer number one, because I've tried my best to be a good Christian. It works. It works. Because I've tried my best to be a good Christian. What are the requirements for entry and why would you get into heaven? Because I believe in God and try to do his will. And it's, it's not about you trying. It's not about you trying to do his will. The third answer, the third most popular answer is because I believe in God with all my heart. That's again, a, a I believe with all of my. Let me tell you something. Those are all beautiful answers, but justification and getting into, the requirements for entry into heaven are this, faith in Jesus who credits me with righteousness. There is no work that I can do. It's not about how good you have been. It's not about how great you are. There's no work of the law that you can do to gain entry. And those are great things. Listen to me. Reading your Bible, prayer, worship, serving, giving, those are all great things, but none of them save you. They sanctify you. Remember at the beginning? They begin to sanctify you. They begin this work of making you look like Jesus and live like Jesus and act like Jesus, but they do not save you. The third thing that we cannot do when we're justified is we cannot segregate the gospel. There is no dividing the gospel. There is no this denomination has it, this denomination doesn't, this church has it, this church doesn't. These people have it. These people don't. Romans 3, 29 through 30 makes it so crystal clear. What was the racial battle of the day was Jew versus Gentile, and neither one of them liked each other. He said, or is, it, is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised, this is so important, through the same faith. It is the same faith. It's the same faith that saves goody two-shoes, never took a sip of alcohol, you, that saves the alcoholic, drunkard, disaster of a person down there. It's the same faith. It cannot be divided. It cannot be made about works. It cannot be made about boasting. It's the exact same faith that saves you 
and saves the person that doesn't look anything like you. It's the same exact faith. It is the faith of the Jew, it is the faith of the Gentile, and it is the exact same faith. Why? Because it has nothing to do with us. It is about Jesus who did it for us. That's how we're justified. And then he gives you the result, Romans 3.31. He says, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Another translation says, we fulfill it. Rather, we uphold the law. How do you fulfill the things that you know God wants you to do spiritually? It is through faith. It's not through a list of regulations. The only thing that will fulfill the law is faith. The law exposes, faith fulfills. I have a friend who was a missionary in Colombia, and he was uh, going to this this revival at this really big church right outside of the city, and it was a real, real charismatic uh, movement. And I look, I'm of the charismatic persuasion, and we do crazy things sometimes. I don't know why. Let me tell you why. Uh, the, the people that you know that are charismatic, that are crazy, they were crazy long before they became a charismatic. They just found their flavor and jumped right in, right? But he's going to this revival in Colombia. He's set to preach there, and when he gets there, it's just a charismania. It's just crazy. It's going nuts. The whole room, there's no order. It's just, it's just chaos. Then all of a sudden, he said this guy comes walking out into the middle of the room, and he's got this basket, and this, this basket with a lid on, and it's shaking. It's literally moving, and he is like, what in the heck am I doing? And he sets the basket down. He opens it up, and inside, come on, you charismatics know, you old school Pentecostals know, what's inside the basket? Snakes. Snake handling maniacs. So they look inside, and he said they're, they are like vipers and like venomous snakes climbing out of this thing. And one of the guys grabs one of the snakes and he comes walking up to my friend who's a missionary and the snake is literally slithering at it. And he says to him, brother, do you have enough faith to handle this snake? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Somebody comes up to me with a snake in their hands asking me if I have enough faith to handle a snake. I'm doing what my friends in Louisiana do. I'm gonna bust you in your mouth. <laughs> Not mouth. Mouth, I'm gonna bust you in your mouth. He said, So this guy's holding this snake, and he's like, Brother, do you have enough faith to handle this snake? And my friend is backing up, and he said, All that I knew to do was say, I don't have enough faith to handle that snake, but I have enough faith in God to kill that snake in your hands. And I kid you not, fell over dead in his hands. You talk about ruining a charismatic party. <laughs> That's like when the cops show up at the frat house, it's over. Like, we might as well just leave. He said they literally, but I mean, it was just, I have enough faith in God to kill that snake in your hands. He was like, well, dang it. <laughs> they put the snakes back in the basket and the meeting just dwindled away. And he was talking to me about it. And he said, Luke, here's what I realized. My faith in God and what he could do was way more powerful than their faith in themselves and what God could do for them. Faith is not, I can, we get this verse, don't get me on a tangent. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4, 13, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm gonna be a linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. 
I'm going to bench 500 pounds because I can do all things through Christ who gives me. Paul is talking about communicating the gospel under persecution. He's saying, my stomach is empty, my belly is groaning, and I am being persecuted, but he will strengthen me to preach the gospel, right? Faith in God, not faith in myself and God doing it through me, right? He's saying, it's not about you. Justification has nothing to do with you. It is all about what Jesus has done for you. So now Paul rolls into chapter 4 of the book of Romans. In chapter 4 of the book of Romans, it is, it is a large narrative of Abraham and David. But let me give you this at the very beginning. Uh, 10 out of 25 verses in the book, uh, in chapter 4 of this book, 10 out of 25 verses contain the Greek word logizomai, which means credited. It's an accounting verb that means to count as. It's verses 3, 4, 5, 6, 9, 10, 11, 22, 23, 24. Let me ask you this. If 10 out of 25 of the verses contain this word, what do you think Paul's main message is with chapter 4? Logizomai. Credited. To be credited. But here's, here's where we get off. Because this, this, it's a Greek verb to mean to count as. And when we think of credit, we think of something like this. I bought something at a store. It wouldn't work anymore. I didn't have my receipt. So they credited to me uh, what I didn't have as store credit. But that's not what this word is communicating. This word is communicating to be credited something that you could not afford. To be credited something that you didn't have the means. I love Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal the other day was walking through a Zales jewelry store. And as he was walking through, he heard this young man who was making payments on an engagement ring. And he was super excited to get married once he had the ring paid off. And, and look at what Shaq did. You know, this is the first time, every time you come in here, I always get on 30 minutes before you come in here. Isn't Shaq cool? Walks by with his credit card. He's like, here, just, just take care of that. Before I, I got this. One day I'm going to do that. I'm going to write the book, and then I'm going to start buying people's engagement rings. College student, look me up. I'm going to walk out. I'm going to, oh, no, no big deal. There you go. There's the card, right? What Shaq did for him is what he could not do for himself in the moment. He didn't have the money to pay for it in the moment. It was on layaway, and he was making minimal payments on it as he could, hoping one day to experience the wedding. And Shaq said, I will pay for you what you cannot pay for yourself. That is logizomai. It is God giving to us what we could never credit ourselves. Okay, let's get to the illustration. You have Abraham and you have David. Abraham, this is again, let's, let's all be Jews for a moment, be contextually Jews. Abraham and David were the, the highlights, the kings. The, in fact, they call Abraham the founding father of Judaism, and they call David their king. He was the all-time guy, led them to their prominence. So Abraham is the founding father. 
David is the one they all looked up to and, and thought he was just the, the king of all of Judaism. He led us to our prominence. Listen to the example from Paul, Romans 4, 1 through 8. He says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? He's still speaking about justification. He's saying, what does Abraham know about justification? Let's ask that question. He says, if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. Isn't that interesting? He said, man, if, if Abraham did it by works, he could brag about it to his friends, but God wasn't hearing it. Verse 3, what does scripture say? This is Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God and it was logizomai. It was credited to him as righteousness. It was given to him when he could not do it himself. Verse 4, now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift but as an obligation. In other words, you see what he's saying? It is not an exchange for work. It is a gift. Continues on, verse five, however, to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is logizomai, credited as righteousness. Here's the example of David, verse six. David says the same thing when he speaks of the, blessed, of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from the works. This is Psalm 32, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Here is what he's saying. He's saying the two people that you look up to the most, that you think were the most powerful, from David, he was the most powerful warrior, to Abraham, who was the founding father of our faith, both of them did not do it by their ability. They did not do it by their works. They did not do it by their triumphs. They did it because God credited it to them when they had faith. So now we flip the script. There are three things that we do do when we're justified. Told you the three things we cannot do when we're justified. Here are the three things, and oh man, we're late. I gotta give them to you quick. Here are the three things that we do when we're justified, this is a summary of Romans chapter four. Number one, when we are justified by Christ, we believe in God's power. Oh man, Mitch, I'm about 25%. You may have to come up and finish this. Romans 4.17 says, that is what the scriptures mean when God told them, I have made you the father of many nations. This has happened because Abraham, here it is, believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. In other words, he's saying Abraham is justified, therefore he believes in God's power. He trusts God's resurrection power. Number two, the things we do when we're justified, we have hope at all times. Romans 4, 18 through 19, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Verse 19, and Abraham's faith did not weaken even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. Who in here is 100 years old? Who in here is the closest? No, I'm just kidding. No. Love old people, don't, don't get mad at me, don't send me snail mail because you don't know how to email. 
I'm just kidding. But listen, he says, 100 years old. He said, even though he was 100 and he had this promise that his circumstances didn't align to, what did he do? He never wavered in his faith. He kept hope. He kept on hoping. Why? Because God is greater than our circumstance. If you base your faith on your circumstance, you will consistently be disappointed. If Abraham said, I'm old, Sarah's womb's old, we're in trouble around here, he would have never experienced being the father of many nations. But what did he do? He kept on having faith. And then number three, unwavering on God's promises. Romans 4, verse 20 says, Abraham, I love this, never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. I'll summarize where we have been so far, Romans 1 through Romans chapter 4. Paul is viciously confronting legalism with the Jews. He's confronting sin with the Gentiles. He's bringing them all together, a church that is fractioned and divided and totally broken up. He's bringing them together under one banner of Jesus. And now he's just trying to get them to see it. He's saying, do you see what is right in front of you? I love having all these babies up here on stage. I remember our first child. Man, we did some stupid stuff when we had our first kid, right? Even leading up to it, like, you just do the most ridiculous things. I mean, from, you like, have hand sanitizer everywhere. You have uh, all of these little devices. Like, you've you seen the moms who are, like, got the shopping cart, and they're, like, trying to strap this cover over the, the basket where the kids sit. We got three now. It's like, throw them in there. Hopefully, like, they'll be fine, right? Or you buy these little, these little, like, plastic mats that go on the restaurant table, right? They don't end up touching the restaurant table, right? There's disease everywhere, and you stick them down. The first thing they do is rip them right up. Like the first thing they do is rip it right off of there, right? But we do all of these crazy things. Uh, but one of the craziest I remember was coming home from work one day and Anna said, uh, hey, babe, let's go. We've got a, uh, uh, a baby shoot. We've got a sonogram shoot at a boutique in Houston, <laughs> right? I'm like, what CBD prenatals you been on? Like, what are we talking about here? She's like, no, 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 it's a boutique, and they do these boutique sonogram shoots. So we show up to this place, and I mean, it is bougie. It is really nice. $175 for 30 minutes, nice. Like, we walk in there, they got water, they got this fridge, they got these comfy chairs, and you sit down, and they come and greet you, and they're like, are you ready to see your baby in 3D, right? And we're like, yeah, I can't wait, you know, I'm freaking out. And so we go, I mean, now, we, we get this sonogram at the hospital, these little black and white pictures, and like, do you want to keep them? I'm like, no, I'm good, I'll see the baby when he's here. <laughs> well, it's number four, I don't need pictures, I'll be all right, right? But, oh, it's first baby, we're doing this 3D thing, and so we get the, the 3D, you know, babies in there. They're like, oh, look, there's his face. There's his smile. I'm like, I don't see nothing. I don't see nothing. They're like, oh, there she is. She's, she's waving at you right now, you know. And then afterwards, they're like, okay, the DVD is $50 more. I'm like, of course it is, right? Who doesn't want a DVD if they're tadpoles swimming around, you know. So it's like, all right. So we paid the $50. We had, the, we had all of this stuff from it, right? We had the pictures in 3D. We had the video, and the, the video and all this stuff was great. And so then we go to the hospital, and Anna labors all night long. She pushes, has the baby. Everything's wonderful. Baby's on her chest skin to skin because you know it's skin to skin for the win, right? And so she's got skin to skin and baby's there. And this is what it would be like. It would be like Anna saying to me, Luke, do you want to come meet our daughter? And me saying, 
no, I'm good. I'm just going to keep watching this video that I got. Like, this video is really cool. I got these 3D pictures, too. I don't need to see the baby. I've got, I've got everything I need. That's what Paul is saying to everyone right now. He's saying you're looking to the law when the person who fulfills the law is standing in front of your face. Personalize this. Have you been seeking the law? Have you just been trying to be good? Have you been working your tail off, trying to make sure that you're right before God? Have you been segregating the gospel and believed you either belong because of where you came from or don't belong because of where you come from? None of that matters. Jesus justifies you freely by faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. Don't be looking for it in a picture when the person is in front of your face. That's Romans 1 through 4.